0: this week on Writers Inc.
1: No, we haven't had have any contact with them. We, we don't really know what they're up to. We kind of just kind of keep our blinders on. We have our own mission statement that we try to align and support each time. But I mean, of course they are our competitors and we, we, we you know see what they're doing, but we really are not too much engaged on that side of things. We're here to support the local bookstores every every day.
0: J.K. Rowling was nearly homeless when she wrote the first Harry Potter book. Stephen King penned Carrie in a small desk wedged between a washer and dryer. James Patterson worked in advertising and famously crafted the Toys R Us theme song long before becoming an author. Join New York Times bestseller J.D. Barker and indie powerhouses Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they pull back the curtain on some of the world's most prolific authors. Where do they start? What is their process? The biggest names in publishing all have origin stories, all have tips and secrets. What does it take to consistently top the best seller lists and become a household name? Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writer's Inn. All right. Happy New Year
2: Year to everybody. I know uh, this isn't the first episode of the new year, but uh, it still kind of feels that way. So, uh, J.D., you staying COVID-free in your house? (laughs) <laughs> so far,
3: um, my wife came home from the gym yesterday that she goes to and like she takes her daughter, they've got like a little kids room that the you know, kids can play in while they're working out and stuff like that. And she's like half the people in the gym are out with COVID, including her instructor. And like last night, she had a fever, like she, not a bad one, but like a 100 something. Um, so we ordered the, you know, these home testing kits for, for COVID. So we're going to, we're going to see whether or not we actually, or she's got it or I have it or who whoever. But at, at this point, like we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. Like I remember back when I was a kid, when somebody had chicken pox, they used to take all of us and just throw us in the basement and try to get all the kids to get chicken pox just to kind of get it out of the way. And like, I'm almost at the point where COVID, with COVID, where I just sort of want to do that, you know, like find somebody who's got it and spend the day with
4: them, take them to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, you know,
3: I'll take them to Disney. I'll take them out to dinner, whatever I got to do. Share um, an ice ca- cream ca- cone. COVID yeah just go
4: to the gym and have someone (laughs) sneeze in your mouth
3: get it behind me it's it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like playing Russian roulette you know like this gun is just pointed at your head like that feeling that it gives you it's like I just want it to be done so that's kind of where I'm at. It, it, and happier news, like, I, I decided I need to stop spending money at Home Depot because I actually got a Christmas card from my local Home Depot signed by all the employees. <laughs> so, like, how, how bad does it have to be <laughs> before you end up on the, the Christmas card list for Home Depot? So my, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to dial it back. <laughs> I think... Dude, <laughs> I don't one, even know what to fun. say to that. It's, it's <laughs> just, it's funny. You know, it's got, it's a prompt. It's got a prominent spot up on the mantle above the fireplace right now. Like it just, it cracks me up whenever I see it, you know? <laughs> I love that.
4: Maybe they listen to the podcast and heard us talk about it. And st- <laughs> of course, I'm always saying you need to go to Lowe's. So yeah. Or maybe that's oh. why they did it. That's well, so screw screw Lowe's because
3: Lowe's didn't send me a Christmas card. I'm not going there.
2: So we want to <laughs> welcome our new sponsor, Home Depot. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it.
4: <laughs>
0: oh, man. We got a
2: pretty Besides, pretty cheap sponsorship oh. package. I'll tell you if all it took was a card to get a, <laughs> to get a nod on the show.
3: You know what it probably is? They probably want me to hook them up with the, the uh, snow blowing robot people
4: so they can carry the snow blowing robots in Home Depot. They're probably all working on each other. Speaking, speaking of snow blowing, that I, I, we have uh, about six inches of snow here, which I know to you guys is crazy, but imagine that you live in a city where they don't know how to handle that and no. there's and there's no snow plow and there's no snow blower and we don't have heated driveways <laughs> you know like imagine and basically my whole town is shut down so we,
3: we we're in the same boat because we've got two rental cabins that we own in um near Gatlinburg. Um, and they're, they're all snowed out, like all the roads and everything. And, you know, like we've got somebody that I think my wife said was supposed to check in today, and like they're not yeah. sure if they should still go because they don't know if they can get to it. Um, ours are in relatively, you know, cl- like close to town, like lower ground. But um, one of the ones that we're looking at now, I mean, it's way up some mountain trail, like, you know, windy yeah. little road where you can only go one car at a time going in one direction. And like, I can't imagine. I guess those people are just stuck up there. Um, Yeah, my
4: buddy David, I'm sure you know about this. I mean, he has his cabin out in Sevierville out there, and he was telling me they lost power and stuff like a few days ago, and they've been having all kinds of issues with that. And Now, what's crazy is there they should be more prepared for it because they're up in the mountains and stuff, and he was saying they're not. But, like, here in my town, it's just like – we get it, like, once a year. So, like, they just – instead of, like, putting all these resources in to have all this stuff to – Handle it one or two or three days a year. They just shut the whole city
3: down. <laughs> yeah, but power is a big deal in a place like that because yeah. it takes down a lot of the power lines because they're just not equipped for it, and then they're real slow to get them back up because they're not equipped for it. And um, yeah, so you obviously still have power. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, and but, I got but, my
4: window open so I can look at all the snow coming down. Yeah, so. but yeah, yeah, a lot of
3: people in that area right now are without power and, and digging their way out. So we.
4: I like some... how you said I'm in the same boat right now, and then you talked about some place that's like a thousand miles away. <laughs> from where you from well, where you are we're, we're dealing with it remotely i guess is i know i'm just i'm just messing you're just you know well we just
3: yeah. we, we we keep we just bought another one um in in georgia uh, up in the mountains and you know like I, I think i talked about this on the air right about the roof like it, it got hit with a nasty hailstorm like a week yeah. or two ago um and the replacement cost on the roof is like 30 grand and like we couldn't like if we pushed the closing back it was going to cost us almost a thousand dollars a day um, and like the, the previous owners, our insurance company was going to pick up the cost of the roof, but you know, we'd have to push that closing back. So we just decided to pull the trigger on it. We closed yesterday. Um, we got, I, I think a $10,000 credit towards the, you know, the $30,000 roof. Um, but it, but it's ours. The, the keys are sitting on the, the kitchen counter and I, I still haven't set foot inside there.
2: Hey man, I'll, uh, I'll do that roof for you for 29, five. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> And and you've got a beard, so you're obviously a
4: contractor. It totally works. So, I so got I a clipboard
2: too, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're. Quiet. Hey, and it's I like,
4: and oh. I and I think I'm only about two hours from that house. So if you need me to go check it out, I will. The Georgia one? Yeah, it's in North Georgia, right? In the Blue yeah, Ridge.
3: Yeah, it's it's not that far from you because one of our we've got a handyman that handles our other cabins that are close to you, um, and he, he was planning on driving out to take a look at it. Oh, I think uh, that
4: one's probably closer than Gatlinburg because like I'm like an I'm less than two out. i'm like an hour and 45 minutes from chattanooga and like when you go to chattanooga you go through north georgia for a minute right. so i bet that i'm closer to that one than i am your one gal your your all your homes in gatlinburg
3: yeah you probably are because I, I think that's the airport that we're flying into Chatt, chattanooga
4: oh yeah yeah so oh. yeah all right i'll go check it out <laughs> nice Re- <laughs> once report i get back. out of my neighborhood <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> dig through this now. Um, in in publishing-related stuff, I, I I don't know why these crop up. It's like so they seem to come in waves. But I got three emails this week from people asking me about um, paying for reviews on, on their books. Um, and it was from the same company. And I don't want to throw the name out there that that's doing it. But I, I always advise against this. I mean, like this was at four hundred fifty dollars to have somebody sit down and read your book to get a review from some company I've never heard of. Um, you know, and and people think that you know getting that review from you know they feel as a legitimate source and slapping it on the cover slapping it on their Amazon page or whatever is going to move book sales, and it doesn't, um, definitely not to the point where it's worth spending that kind of money. I mean, like, I've been reviewed in the New York Times, and, like, that doesn't move the needle, you know? So, like, if the big newspapers don't necessarily move the needle in a meaningful way, you know, paying 400 bucks to some company you've never heard of isn't going to do it either. Um, you know the best thing you can do at this point and I think the traditional publishers are starting to catch on to this is you know like solid reviews on Goodreads you know solid reviews you know like large numbers of reviews on Amazon but like a consensus opinion is is a lot more important because uh, if you take you know most of these large services even the, the well-known ones the big-name ones they pay those reviewers maybe a hundred dollars to like three hundred dollars to review that book and it's one person you know so that you know book gets get shipped to them it may or not be something that they like from a genre standpoint um, you know, it's like, it's hit or miss, you know, and then you're you're getting this review from them. Um, I, I personally, when I go out shopping for books, I look at the consensus opinion. I look at that star rating, you know, over a hundred reviews or over a thousand reviews or whatever, and that's what I base my choice on, not, not you know, the individual taste of one person.
2: J.D., I'm so glad you, you said that because most of us don't have the opportunity to get reviewed in New York Times and don't know that it doesn't move the needle. And I, and I think that those types of companies, I, I won't call them predatory, but I think they're they're taking advantage of uh, a misunderstanding that most authors have, that those sort of publication reviews don't carry nearly as much weight as as the, the platform reviews do. So uh, just thanks for mentioning that.
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the reason why, uh, from what I can tell anyway, is because most of them are behind a paywall. Um, you know, So that review happens, but like if, if you happen to get a link of it you know, that shows up in your inbox and you click on that link, it's going to take you to a paywall, so you have to buy some type of subscription before you can actually see it. Um, you know, so even like a review by a blogger, you know, a lot of times it's going to have further reach than, you know, like Washington post or a large newspaper just because of, of that kind of scenario. Um, so yeah, de- definitely keep that in mind. And, and there's so many free sources where you can get some type of review. Just don't, you know, spend your money on something else. I'd rather see somebody put it into Facebook ads or, a, you know, a nicer cover or, or, or editing <laughs> by all means, take that 400 bucks, put it into editing.
4: Well, the other thing that you said, I think is important is, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say like nobody is. Using you know the New York Times or whatever to to get their book reviews because I'm that'd be ignorant to say that but like I don't know if that's where people really agree like every avid reader I know is really into Goodreads and so you know like you were just saying I mean and I think and and word of mouth like it's it's them them being told about books or them seeing stuff recommend on Goodreads or whatever so. I mean, like you said, I think that, and Amazon, I think those are the places that people are really going and looking for recommendations for books. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are you guys working on this week? What do you got going on, Zach? Well, I'm still in uh, Amazon writes hell on, on the titles you gave Some me. Some of those emails <laughs> are just unbelievable. Like, I can't believe a company like Amazon has people writing those kinds of emails. It's unreal. I, they, well, the problem is, I don't know how many different people I've talked to, but like, Two like two of the books in our War for Earth series, books two and three, are approved, but they still haven't approved book one or the box set, which has books two and three in it. And uh, on top of that, they won't merge the audio books with those pages, and they also are not going to let me have the reviews that we got on all those books <laughs> because they're the books aren't in the same KDP account. So, uh, th- so they're, they're those reviews are just gone on on those books. So, um. Yeah, so a little, that's that's something. If, if anyone out there is uh, like co-writing and you're going to you know give your try to move those books in the dashboard of your the other person for whatever reason, it's not easy. Even if you have all the necessary paperwork, it's 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 not very fun.
3: So I, I was listening back to the the last uh, episode where we talked about this. I, I know you you were able to move some reviews, right? Was it the audiobook reviews
4: that transferred over? Well, the audio but yeah so the audiobooks that was actually really easy like jay sent one email to acx and was just like can you please move these books into this other acx account and they just moved them over like now they're just in my account we have all the reviews and everything uh, so acx is awesome that one's easy but uh, but kdp has just been a nightmare like mm-hmm. i've been showing jay the emails i've been getting and they no, none of it makes sense like they some of the, like for some of my books they just accepted it for some of them they were like oh the I got one email where they were like oh your list of titles do not exactly match the way the titles are in your Kdp account I got another one where they were like you can't send a, a, a word document it has to be an uneditable uh, document which I everyone else accepted the word document like it's just, it's like all these people just have their own standards, like all these different people who are handling my emails just are making up stuff or something. Well, and
3: meanwhile, it's all Amazon, right? Even ACX is, is an Amazon company. So yeah, but different.
4: it's a different department still. Like, right. I mean, and, and you know, yeah, and these KDP people, I mean, who know? Like, they're obviously not talking to each other or looking, you know, because... It, again i have books two and three in a series approved but they want to prove book one and they want to prove the box set that has those two books in it so well, question like i, I know
3: draft to digital has a function you know
4: designed to split royalties between authors if, if you
3: guys had had these books through draft to digital like would this switch have been any easier
2: well
4: it w- well well go ahead jay
2: yeah i it, it's a good question it I, I don't know what the switch would have looked like, but had that service existed when we started, it, um, it would have been a consideration. The only downside to that is if you're writing in a genre that is heavily dependent on page reads or um, uh, Kindle, Being Unlimited, Kindle Unlimited, that's the problem. then you, wow. you don't get into Kindle Unlimited through an aggregator like Draft2Digital. You have to go directly through Amazon. So that's the, that's the catch.
4: That's too bad. I mean,
3: I think you could probably just switch, you know, the royalty payout, you know, to like a hundred percent,
4: one person and zero to the other or something and be done with it. And trust me, I've thought of that. Like if this continues to be a problem, I might just unpublish the books and let Jay republish them on draft to digital and just do that. Like I've, I've thought about that. Um, and just say, forget KDP on those titles, <laughs> but, uh, because uh, I have to weigh like, is it worth losing all those reviews and all but that see, history there, with the algorithm? If and I stuff go through I draft
2: to digital I know we're getting in the weeds here. But if I go through draft to digital on those books, they're going to get assigned new numbers, and it, the review transfer is going to be the same issue.
4: Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. No, at I least did. they'd all be up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah which it, I'm it, assuming will happen at some point. Like I'm like I don't know how they can't put those books up at some point you know, those are, well,
2: books, and, but... and it must just be there. There must be no policy at Amazon because Glenn and I moved books and we moved reviews in KDP. Like we did that. So there's not like a, it, it might, maybe it's who you get, maybe they're not doing it anymore. Like maybe they did at one point and now they're not. That's just really unfortunate. There's, there's no clear answer to that question.
4: That's a good point. Cause what I might do is I might, uh, I might like email again about the reviews, but do it on like a specific book or something instead of like all of them at once. Maybe I'll just do it on like a couple of books and just see if I get somebody else who will do it. Cause that's actually very possible.
3: I I think you got to pull your Karen card and just ask for a supervisor.
4: (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I I I think
3: it really is what what you just touched on. I mean, there's so many. Like I've done this before with Amazon. Like if you submit a ticket, you could submit that same ticket a second later, and it's going to go to a different person and a different person, different person. And a lot of this is probably coming down to the knowledge base of whoever's inbox this lands inside of. And you know, if you're getting the wrong person that has never done this before, isn't familiar with the process, you know, you're you're running into these issues whereas Jay got lucky with that other other set and you know found somebody who who knew what they were doing um, I would just keep pushing. It. Like if you don't get the right answer, I would just resubmit and resubmit and resubmit. It's it sucks, but I think I, I wouldn't want to lose those reviews. You know, for the same reason we just touched on at the beginning of all this. Like that that's more important than than anything. You know, it's so hard to accumulate those. You know, um, unless they're crappy reviews. <laughs> but no, they're, they're pretty. I mean, they're yeah, pretty they're, good. I mean, if if there's a couple good. funny ones, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, a couple if it's of an, funny one stars. But if it's a nice star rating, you know, it's good average over over a decent amount of time. Like that's that's gold. You don't want to lose that. Yeah.
4: So we'll see. So that's what I've been working on that. And I'm i uh, I'm, I'm in the planning, f- I'm outlining my uh, next book. So my next dead South book, which I'm doing really good on that and going to probably start drafting that next week. And I'm going to try a different drafting process for that book too. I'm going to, I think I'm going to try the Dean Koontz and I think I'm going to like edit as I go and not have to edit after. Cause I hate editing. And so I think I'm going to try to get the book like by the time I know with the first draft where I can just send it to my editor. I'm gonna try that and see how it works for me. Yeah,
3: I honestly I've been doing that for a while now, and I I love it. You know, I start the morning off by reading what I wrote the previous day and cleaning that up, and you know, throwing one word in here, changing this sentence, changing that. But by the time I hit that bottom, like my brain is just so wrapped around what I'm doing, I just keep going and going. So it, it, it makes awesome. sense.
2: All right, well, I'm gonna pile on here. Uh, it's, it's so strange. <laughs> like this was not planned. Uh, in my my uh, my serial fiction project, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, I am I'm writing (laughs) I when I when I come to the page in the morning I'm reviewing I'm editing what I did the 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 previous scene from the night before I then draft a new scene I edit it and then at the end of the day I edit it again and so then the next morning it gets one more look over but by that time it's kind of done like there isn't like a big revision that needs to be done after that.
3: Hey, you know what? Yeah. We sh- we should probably get Dean on here to talk about all
4: this. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> see if you, see what you can do with that, JD. I'll work, I'll work on that. <laughs> that's on you. While you're at it, see if you can get me an Amazon rep. So you're the you're the one out of us with the most clout. So he he's he's probably the guy to ask. <laughs> nah, that's true. Yeah, he would be. I'm sure he's got some people on Amazon listening to him.
3: Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think he's hitting a recording or a, a robot. He's got a live person on the other other yeah. end of that phone.
2: Well, hey guys, before no. we get into the business stuff, uh, w- one more thing I wanted to m- mention here, and. Uh, I'm doing this reluctantly because I'm not a fan of the company, but uh, I'm about a, two hours in to get back, and it's just fascinating. Uh, I, I broke it's a, it really is. I isn't broke it? down. I bought one month of Disney Plus just so I could see this, and uh, and yeah. I'm not really a huge Beatles fan. Like they're not they're not my generation. Like I was never. Like, Doesn't a, matter. A, but the whole creative process, especially watching Paul navigate
4: everything, it's just it's worth it. It's so good, dude. You can see like it's amazing how you can see everyone's role in the band. Like, you know, cause a band you have usually like the really creative person. You have like the super business person you have, you know, and it's, it's pretty clear in that instance. I mean, like when they're having like the business means about stuff, Paul's pretty much the only one there. Like, you know, and I don't know if you've gotten to the point where he talks about how he's like kind of struggling to be like the leader of the band ever since their manager died and all I'm that just stuff. just getting like, that's, to that point. Yeah. That's really interesting, yeah. you know, cause you can like, someone has to be like, there has to be in that instance, someone has to be the one to say, okay, we're going to play this this way. Like this is, you know, otherwise everyone's just gonna be sitting around twiddling their thumb. Yeah. It's, it's really an amazing documentary about just collaboration and creating
2: art. Yeah. I mean, together. George Harrison with imposter syndrome. I mean, who can't relate to that, right? Like he's talking about how he doesn't have the chops that Clapton does and how Clapton can just go off and riff and he can't do that. And I'm like, it's George Harrison, like yeah.
4: the Beatles, you know, it's like that kind of stuff never goes away. The, the other interesting thing about him is you can tell that he's the one of the group that has like the appreciation, the most appreciation for the music around them. You know, like he's a fan of, not to say the other ones aren't, but you can tell that he's like really in the weeds and in the know of what other bands and artists are doing, you know, more than, more than, uh, you know, specifically, I think Paul made some comments where you're like, oh, okay, like he's pretty focused on being Paul McCartney and being the Beatles and not really what everyone else is doing. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good. It though. is. Glad you brought that yeah. up. Glad you checked out. It's, it's, I know it's, uh, I know being on Disney Plus, it kind of sucks, but like it, it's worth it for a month. Yeah. You know. I, I, it won't take me a month to watch it.
2: I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely won't. <laughs> well, let's talk about a company I really like. Let's talk about Kobo Writing Life. Uh, if you are publishing any of your books beyond just the uh, the, stand, the usual standard, you got to check out Kobo Writing Life. You get all kinds of options for monthly promotional opportunities, you can set your pricing internationally, and you don't have to sign any exclusivity agreements. Uh, and when you email Kobo Writing Life, you get to talk to real people. So if you want to do that, head on over to KoboWritingLife.com. I also want to give a warm shout out to all of our patrons supporting us on Patreon.com. If you would like to submit questions for our monthly Q&A episode, and we have uh, one coming up not, uh, not in the not-too-distant future, head on over to Patreon.com slash Writers Inc. Podcast, and you can uh, become a patron of the show. So that brings us to the guest. Who do we have this week, JD? Elle McKenzie. She's the immediate affiliate manager for Bookshop.org,
3: and I, and I love this company. Um, the, the timing couldn't be more more better. Um, they basically they, they, they came out right before COVID hit, which you know I'm sure it was totally by chance. Um, but they they provide um, like this weird dynamic where you can go on there buy a hardcover book, and they will give a percentage of those sales back to your local bookstore. So it's almost like um, almost like having a website, you know, a web page for your individual, your local bookstore, but provided by them. It's just it's it's a very unique thing. I think they've raised somewhere in the neighborhood of fourteen to fifteen million dollars or something in their first year. Uh, for local bookstores. So it's kept, you know, because of COVID, you know, a lot of people are obviously not shopping in store. This, these guys have kept a lot of people afloat and kept those doors open. And, you know, there's no telling what this industry would look like if they hadn't have been there. So like the timing was, you know, very much by chance, but it completely impeccable at the same time. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious about this one. Here she is, El McKenzie.
2: Why don't we start with you giving us some idea of what bookshop.org is? Sure. So bookshop.org is the brainchild
1: of uh, Andy Hunter. And it started because we see the conglomerate that Amazon's doing right now, how they're really dominating the sales for not only indie bookstores, but even, you know, chain bookstores like um, Barnes and Nobles and all those things. So Andy started bookshop.org because his local bookstore in his neighborhood, unfortunately, closed down due to low sales. So he was like, you know, what what can we do to really support the community? And he started bookshop.org. And how our mission is, is all of our sales, we donate a portion back to local bookstores that are enrolled in our program. Each, they receive 30% of the sale of the of the book list price. And then also we match that and put that into a distribution pool that we distribute to at least right now, 1,200 plus bookstores twice a year. And right now we're, we're pulling up on um, 14 million that million. We're only a year old. So to have really raised that much with really the help of all the people who just care about bookstores, it's, it's been phenomenal.
2: And how have we been getting the word out about this
1: Uh, a lot of pr work uh social media word of mouth is really we've noticed has been also great um with you know booksellers telling about their telling their um, store um fans their audience hey especially during the pandemic we close down our stores, but we have this great page up on bookshop.org, shop through our storefront through there. So it's a lot of been word of mouth and just like promoting on social and articles and stuff like that.
2: Nice. So take us through what it's like from from the reader's perspective. How, how does a reader use bookshop.org?
1: Sure. So there's two ways to really enter. If you have your, uh, a favorite local bookstore, the way to shop through bookshop is to go through their affiliate link. Um And from there, once you are, you're getting cookied or tagged to that um, bookstore's affiliate page, and then each book that you purchase through their affiliate link, they're going to receive 30% of that sale. Now, let's say you don't have a local bookstore and you just want to sh- support generally bookstores who are in our program, you can still enter through bookshop.org, generally bookshop.org um, in your um, URL, and each sale then that you purchase then. We're gonna then donate ten percent of whatever you purchase on that site into our distribution pool. That's now grossing almost fourteen million right now.
2: Yeah, it's such a cool model. Uh, what if I What if I grew up in Des Moines and now I live in New York City and I want to support the the local bookshop in Des Moines? Can I Can I purchase through the <clears throat> the website to that bookstore?
1: absolutely so we have this great um, bookstore locator map and if you just type in the address or the um, zip code we'll give you a list of all the things that's close to des moines or in the city and then you can just select the bookstore you want to support in that sale that you create on our platform
2: oh excellent um if i if i'm have my information right it's technically still in beta is that right
1: yeah, we are still in beta. Our Shout out to our developers. they are doing a lot of hard work right now, um, but we're working on it. We're working on it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Do you have any sort of timeline in mind as far as when it's out of beta?
1: Not yet. We're hoping for, if not, um, I don't want to give a too distinct uh, date, but we're hoping for in the near future. We also just launched in Spain. We're out in the UK now too. So there's, um, <laughs> there's a lot of work to still be done on each platform that we're trying to really you know, integrate into one full site.
2: Right, right. But I mean, it, it's a fully functioning beta. So if I'm a reader in the United States, it's not going to, I wouldn't know that, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, you wouldn't okay. know unless you're you're a super techie.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, what, what, or has there been sort of any community built with bookstore owners? Are, are they able to communicate or, with each other or, um, sort of rally around the cause around bookshop.org.
1: Absolutely. So right now we have about uh, just around twelve hundred, and it's it's uh, free. To, it's easy to sign up if you, as long as you are an ABA member and you possess a, a physical bookstore, you are eligible to be in our bookstore program. And um, one of my colleagues, who is our um, our manager for all of our bookstores she frequently has little town halls once a month where everyone can come and talk about bookshop what is working what is not working for them how can bookshop support them more on our site so it's a really we really um value and try to really amplify that ethos you know that community that you get through a local bookstore on our site as well
2: Mm. do do you think the the pandemic hurt or helped your cause i
1: i think (laughs) It can go both ways. I think, from a bookseller perspective, I think that we've definitely helped them. Um, You know, we launched Bookshop with no idea that the pandemic was coming, so I think it really aligned in in a lot of beautiful ways. That where yeah, we the stores had to close, but we have so many success stories from bookshops that they were able to keep the lights on. That they were able to give their their staff, health insurance, that they were able to just still be at a functioning local bookstore despite the pandemic going on. So from that aspect, I think it was a really beautiful thing.
2: Yeah. How long have you been uh, with with Bookshop?
1: I've been there a year. A okay.
2: Year. So you you came in pretty close to the launch then, right?
1: Yeah, we launched in uh, end of January. I came on in uh, April.
2: Okay. So l- looking back over that year, what's what's been something that's... Uh, really surprised you or caught you off guard about this whole thing
1: I think the way that we blew, we blew up um uh we we didn't expect to to really kind of be as involved or this much of money that we've earned to support local bookstores to donate that we were expecting like our 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 um, hope was to make maybe a million in sales to donate back to um, bookstores in the first year but we've We've exceeded that beyond all measures. So I think that's really the thing that um, has surprised us most—to really see that that the people want to actually support bookstores. They they want another option other than Amazon to really give back to their community. So I think that was that's been a very pleasantly surprising thing.
2: Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, I want to talk about Amazon for a second. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm. You certainly don't have to, you know, disclose a, a, any sort of uh, sensitive communications, but have there been any communications with Amazon or, or do you have any sense of sort of what their perspective is, if any, on what you're doing?
1: No, we haven't have any contact with them. We, we don't really know what they're up to. We kind of just kind of keep our blinders on. We have our own mission statement that we try to align and support each time. But I mean, of course, they are our competitors and we, we, we you know, see what they're doing, but we really are not too much engaged you know, on that side of things. We're here to support the local bookstores every every day.
2: Well, that's good. So you, you haven't heard any news about like Amazon bookstores opening up like a brick and mortar to, <laughs> to compete against you guys or anything?
1: No, I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised the way that Bezos is, but no, we haven't heard anything like
2: that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Th- there's definitely more of a uh, a community feel to, to what you're doing, where as opposed to Amazon is just a marketplace. And I mean, to be honest, they, you know there's a, there's a convenience factor, right? Cause people are, they're going to Amazon. They're not just buying books. They're buying pet food and hair care products and, you know, and, and all the other stuff. So how do you, what is sort of your maybe marketing approach or your, your branding message that to combat against that high level of convenience?
1: I think um, it's always about like, we're supporting your local community without books, like there wouldn't really be books drive the culture forward, you know, and without that kind of e- ecosystem, then how will we thrive really as a society? So we're always our mission statement is to support your local bookstores, which is something that Amazon doesn't do, they they don't provide the same sort of financial support to the booksellers, to the publishers, to the authors that, you know, that bookshop that we do on our end. So I think what we've seen from our audience from our customer standpoint that they they want to get involved. They want to be more supportive to that type of industry, that they know it really is a great impact on their lives as well. Yes, you can gain, yeah, you can get your, you can get uh, you know, your electronics, you can get your your um your food, your groceries, even from Amazon. But you know, books alone, it really it's more you can't do that all online. Like without the community, it needs to be a more like hands-on like like one-on-one type of aspect for sure
2: yes yes we've talked a a little bit about the the bookshop owners and the readers what's the author's role in this ecosystem
1: so they can also create an affiliate program like similar to the bookstores and similar that they will receive a a portion for their sale that they share with their audience that their audience and fans purchase and we'll donate we'll match that donation give it back to the bookstores as well and they are going to earn as authors a little something on the side as well it's a win-win
2: excellent what do you like to read yourself
1: oh i'm i'm a nonfiction person <laughs> i'm such a history nerd i'm reading i'm um, looking for lorraine right now by imani perry um but i i like to i tend to read a lot of uh, nonfiction historical things
2: interesting i'm a historian what, what period or or are... Uh, time time frame? Do you enjoy the most?
1: Oh man, that's uh, it's so tough. I would say the jazz era is one of my favorite things to read about, and then up until I'd say World War Two era as well. But I I really can't pinpoint it on, on onto one set of era. I'm just, I can really go all the way back to the B.C. times. It doesn't really matter. I'm just so interested in and in how our our how our humanity has evolved over the over the years. It's
2: interesting awesome. to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm always thrilled when I hear people say they love reading history. I'm all for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I, I would love to actually go back to school and get, I, I went to school for writing, but you know, if I wasn't a writer, I think I would be a historian in another lifetime for sure.
2: Yeah, well, you can be a writer and a historian. So I could, you can I could do that. We'll, we'll, we'll look into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, r- related to that, uh, do you have any kind of data that you can share around? uh like genre specific trends that you see on bookshop
1: yeah so especially with the um the black lives matter that happened last june we saw such um an uptick of people wanting to educate themselves more on on the cause and the movement so we've seen that our demographic are really folks who are willing not only to entertain themselves through books but they also really want to educate themselves which is really inspiring to think about that okay we're seeing what's going on especially at at least in the states alone And a lot of people are fed up with it. And how can they really educate themselves to change, you know, what's going on right now? So I think that that's something that at least we've seen in the last year through our numbers that a lot of nonfiction and educational books have really been selling well on our platform.
2: Mm, That's good. Does price factor in at all in in these purchasing decisions?
1: Yeah, so we do have we do up are charged a little bit as, as compared to Amazon. So because of our model, we give a, more of our money away than we intake. So a lot of that is going back into the bookstore. So we maybe charge a couple of extra dollars more on the books list price, but it's always going back into the hands of the booksellers, the authors, the publishers.
2: Right, yeah. You don't have to give away any trade secrets, uh, but what, what's on the horizon for Bookshop? What, what are you guys working on that you're excited about?
1: Well, we're gonna focus more on this beta site now. Now that we've launched in Spain, we launched in UK. We're gonna slow down a little bit and and um, improve the site a little more. Make it. Um, it's already one of the great feedback we get is it's very user friendly. But we want to make it a little more from a social aspect where people can, you know, um, it's just where for instance, where you can um, start downloading the lists, you know, you can share from a more wider perspective. You can already share that from a social media perspective. It can go viral in many ways, but we want to improve that from um, another level of things. So we're going to slow down and focus more on the side and what we can do more for the booksellers. What can we do more for the authors, for our non bookstore affiliates as a whole. And we're going to just, yeah, focus on that right now.
2: Yeah. That's, that seems logical. Are you thinking at all about sort of user engagement? Like, Is there a potential for, for users to, to write and share book reviews or to interact with authors through your website?
1: Absolutely. There's already some, you can already leave reviews um, as an affiliate. There's an annotation section that you can do for your lists, but we definitely on the horizon and down the line would love it to be from more of a a social media aspect where, yeah, you can leave comments under a person's um, reviews or you can follow the affiliate, you know, something like that. It's definitely something we've, we've, we toyed around with. Um, But, but TBD, you know.
2: Nice. Do you have a uh, a superstar book bookstore owner that that uh, that you're really proud of, or that you kind of use as an example of how this model can work?
1: Yeah, I uh, I would I don't mean to <laughs> be corny, but I honestly all of our booksellers um, in our program right now has really just shared extreme heartfelt um, success stories that I um, that I want to pinpoint I mean like I touched on before many of them has touched on how they can really just keep the lights on and provide health insurance to their staff members right now but we've seen especially um, a lot of black owned bookstores are really thriving right now um, um, due to what our model has really presented to them
4: hmm.
2: are, are there any geographic trends to that and is, uh, is that is it happening in certain parts of the country or, or generally speaking is just everywhere
1: it's generally speaking pretty much everywhere yeah um obvi- like definitely in the tri state area where folks there's more bookstore physical bookstores for people to get into, but definitely around the around the country it's pretty pretty standard
2: nice nice uh what what's what's something uh or or anything that we haven't discussed that you would really like our audience to know about about what you're doing or what's coming in the future
1: mm i i'd say like now that the pandemic you know people are getting fully vaxxed people are starting to go back more into the stores um sorry that's my doorbell <laughs> but, um we we want to hope we want to always push you know to get back into your bookstores like always our model is i'm so sorry
2: you're getting a book <laughs> delivered from bookshop
1: you know i'm mean? exactly right on time <laughs> uh, sorry about
2: that that's Jack. okay
1: but yeah, as, as um, we're going back to quote unquote normalcy, whatever that is, but we always wanna encourage our, our audience to visit your local bookstores first. And for whatever reason you can't get into the bookstore, then check out their affiliate page on bookshop.org because they're always gonna receive the sales that, you, that they would have received in the store and a portion through bookshop.org. So I think moving forward, at least especially for new folks who haven't quite heard of bookshop.org, check us out. And if you're all about supporting your local bookstore, where the place
2: to be. Don't go to Amazon. All right. I think, JD, you probably shipped the most paper out of all three of us. So uh, let's start with you. Uh, takeaways from uh, bookshop.org. What's your experience been?
3: Uh, well, first of all, I would really like to know like, how it's determined when something drops out of beta like, cause these guys have been out there for a very long time and still in beta, um, available to everybody. Um, that, that just always gets me. Uh, one of the things you want to do if, if you haven't already done it as an author, and it doesn't matter how, you know, how many copies you're selling, um, get out there and set up your author page. You know, it's just like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and these other ones. You can upload a picture, you can upload your bio, you can make sure they're linking back to all of your books properly. Um, and in my case, like I'm still working with them to try and get the search right because you know, my name has initials in it. Um, and that throws a lot of search engines, you know, it's either J period, D period, you know, it has to be there. Um, or, you know, sometimes it doesn't, you know, some of the better ones will, will handle both. But like a lot of times with these, these newer sites, I have to throw an email out there to their support company or their support uh, department to, to get that kind of thing fixed. But definitely get out there and, and set that up and make sure your books are represented. Um, I did look at mine and I do see some of my indie published titles in there. Um, so they're pulling from Ingram Spark, I'm guessing, or possibly Baker and Taylor, because I'm with both of them. Um, but they do have indie published titles there right alongside the, uh, the uh, traditionally published stuff. So that that's very cool um, And you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, the fact that you, you know as a consumer you can go in there You can create a profile and you can say hey, this is my local bookstore I want a percentage of everything I buy from you guys to go to them and they do that um, and, and that's huge and, and I know a lot of bookstore owners that have been on the receiving end of those checks I know how grateful they are and like th- these guys are really a, a big piece of the, the puzzle right now keeping on the, the industry alive
4: yeah it's uh i i was just kind of looking actually as you were talking and i don't know where they're pulling from because i have a lot of books on most of my books are on here too and i don't go through ingram or baker or taylor i just go through kdp <laughs> huh so they they must be now i have like the wide distribution checked on kdp expand distribution so they might be going through there at, at some point but yeah most of my books are on there which is like, super cool, though, because I feel way better about sending people here, you know, than than, than I do on Amazon. And uh, I was actually, I was telling my friend Brittany about this because she wrote a book about our local, all these local businesses. And I helped her, helped her out with it and stuff. And her book's on here. And I told her, I was like, because she feels bad about sending people to Amazon. I was like, because she wrote a book about local businesses. I'm like, well, this is actually a really good alternative for you. Just send people here. You know, and and have them buy it because then it goes back locally and stuff. So yeah, this is this is a really cool concept though. Um, and and I don't know, I was I I honestly like you know did not know about this until uh you know we had her on and everything. And this was a really really awesome company and just the timing with COVID and everything really worked out. And it's just really cool to see you know this type of thing where they're giving back and trying to keep. Local bookstores afloat because, you know, local bookstores are awesome. (laughs) Do they um, support affiliate accounts?
3: Like as an author, could you get an affiliate link and put it on your own website, get a percentage? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, she didn't bring that up, I don't think, in the interview. I'm going to definitely take a look at that when when we're done with this just to, to see. If they don't, I'd love to see them include something like that because it kind of brings it full circle at that point. You know, whether you're traditionally published and de-published, it's not going to matter. You could put links on your own website. You can send people directly to them. You can benefit your local bookstore. Um, all all that's fantastic.
2: J.D., do you have any idea, um, our our mutual friend of the show, Tom, uh, how, how bookshop.org works with uh, what his experience has been? Have you talked to him at all about that? Yeah, he's one of the guys I think that I I did
3: speak to about this early on. Um, I've had so many of these conversations they kind of get mixed together. Um, But, I mean, in in general, you know, like bookstore owners, you know, one of the things that they've always had a problem with is having to maintain their own website. You know, there's a lot of work involved in that. It's it's tough enough to run a bookstore. So then when you've got to become a webmaster too and you've got to constantly get in there and you have to update your homepage and you have to do this and you have to do that, you know, it may not seem like a lot from the outside, but that's a time-consuming process. Um, so a lot of bookstores that didn't have websites or had stale websites, you know, books, bookshop.org basically took that problem away. Um, you know, so they basically use bookshop.org now as their, their homepage. And, you know, it's constantly, you know, they, they have the latest titles up on top and all that kind of stuff, so they don't have to worry about maintaining it. So from that standpoint, it's good. And, and like I said, like the, the checks just start coming. You know, these bookstore owners just start receiving checks from bookshop, you know, which they, they weren't getting before. It's money they, they weren't expecting and you know, and I, I think it brings awareness to the local bookstores too, because you know, when you first set up your account as a, a buyer, you know, you if you decide to dig down, you can you can pick your local bookstore. And like I learned about three bookstores in the area close to me that I, I didn't even know existed, you know, just because they showed up in that search. So that that gave me, you know, additional places that I could go to as a consumer next time I'm in my
4: car and I, I just want to browse some shelves. So yeah, I, I love it. Excellent. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. You found bookstores that way and stuff. And it's just it's the sort of thing that I think consumers are just like, you know, it's, it's a win win, you know, for everybody where, you know, they can su- still support their local bookstore, or whatever, without like going to whether that's because they just don't want to get out of the house or because they can't because of stuff going on. You know, I mean, God, I got six inches of snow here. I can't go buy a book right now. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> It'd be a
2: week got before you go out and buy a board. book. It'll be a week before you get out there and buy a book. At
4: least a week. At least a week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Anything else on Bookshop? Um, Obviously, great company. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, Make sure you go and support them. All right. Uh, Who do we have up
3: next week, J.D.? Next week, we've got Wendy Corsi-Straub. She's a New York Times bestseller. She's got, I believe, around 70 novels out there. Um, She's been nominated a couple times for the Mary Higgins Clark Award. uh, and She lives in New York. Um, She's got a new book coming out called The Other Family. It releases January 18th. Um, Really good novel. They sent me a copy in advance, and I I
2: loved it. Um, So I'm looking forward to that one. Wendy Corsi Straub. Excellent. All right, well, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode, and have a great week
0: of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.